The great comparative literature and mythology professor Joseph Campbell once said, Follow your bliss, and don't be afraid. Doors will open where you did not know they were going to be. The spirit of the podcast is to learn how former Wego Wildcats followed their bliss and for us to get inspired and learn from their stories. Welcome to Wego Places. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at West Chicago High School since 2001. Today's guest is Rachel Nash, class of 2008. Rachel graduated from the University of Iowa with a degree in integrative physiology and psychology. Rachel continued her studies at the University of Iowa's College of Public Health, Community, and Behavioral Health, earning a Master's of Public Health. After her master's degree, Rachel enrolled at the medical school at Oakland University, William Beaumont School of Medicine in Detroit, Michigan. Currently in her second year residency at Nationwide Children's Hospital at The Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, where she is planning to do academic primary care, pediatrics, clinic, and research. Her passions include child health, advocacy, policy, health equity, and social determinants of health. Today, we welcome Rachel Nash from the class of 2008. Rachel, what do you do? So I am currently a second year pediatric resident. So that means I'm training to be a pediatrician and I'll be done in about a year. Uh, I'm currently at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. So what has been the path for your training to be uh, a pediatric uh, doctor? Yeah, so I've kind of had a a little bit of a detoured path, but um, I'll kind of, so after I graduated from, from West Chicago, I went to the University of Iowa. Um, I studied physiology there, um, as well as um, did a minor in psychology. And then um, after medical school, I actually went on and did my master's of public health um, at the University of Iowa. Um, there I studied um, community and behavioral health. So kind of how we um, work with communities and, and study, um, you know, the different uh, social determinants of health and, um, and learned a lot through that program. And I loved, loved doing that. Uh, and then after I finished um, my master's of public health, I went on to medical school um, in Michigan. Uh, and, and then now I'm here and training to be a pediatrician. So what is the the sequence once you start your residency like what does that look like when you when like per session or if I'm using the, the right language of this mm-hmm. what does it look like when you uh, start your first and second and then uh, how do you conclude this and then when do you know what specialty or is there a specialty within uh, pediatrics that you then start honing in on or is it more of a, of a general pedi- uh, pediatrician um, uh, doctor degree? Yeah. So, so in medical school, you kind of study everything um, and you graduate and you're, you're trained to do, to go into any different type of specialty. Um, it's kind of just preparing you and giving you the foundation. Um, and so I picked pediatrics just because I, I've always loved working with kids and um, I love development and, um, and seeing how kind of kids grow and change through the years. So, um, and then in, in residency, you kind of are exposed to all the different parts of, um, being a pediatrician. So, um, everything from, you know, neonatology to kids in the hospital, kids in the clinic, um, 
kind of all the spectrums and all the different specialties. And then when you're done with residency, you kind of can have two paths. You can either go into just being a regular pediatrician, um, like many kids see in their office, um, or you can go in and do additional training in what we call a fellowship, and that you can do in all the different pediatric subspecialties. So pediatric cardiology, gastroenterology, all the different um, kind of parts of um, pediatrics, you can do more training in that. But I'm planning to just do general pediatrics. What was the, you said that you've always enjoyed like the idea of like developments. Do you remember the moment where I was like, yeah, I, this is exactly what I want to do. Like, what was, what was that like? So that's a good question. I mean, I think I, I think in, when I was in high school, I took anatomy when I was um, older. And so I think that kind of got me interested just in medicine in general, but I don't think it was until college when I started, um, I actually did a lot of volunteer work um, with an organization called Dance Marathon, um, which a lot of colleges have. Um, and I was able to volunteer on the pediatric oncology unit and get to work with families uh, and kind of see, you know, what it was like to have a child with a um, severe illness and what those families went through. And um, I think it was then that I knew I, I wanted to work with um, with kids and families for the rest of my life. So, What has been maybe some of the more interesting things that have happened in your just your learning and research in preparing to be a doctor? Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. Uh, so, I mean, I think during... Uh, during my master's of public health, um, I got to, I started getting involved in um, kind of some more advocacy work, um, which I've kind of carried through into medical school and into um, residency now and, and being a doctor. And so this is a part of medicine that, that not everyone gets involved in, but I've been lucky to have really great mentors. And um, so in, in, when I was in my, doing my master's, I got to do some work around um, working with children with disabilities and um, and kind of fighting to make sure that they had you know equal representation and um, access to healthcare and um, access to education and all of those um, very important things. And then throughout medical school and residency, I've gotten the chance to advocate on a variety of topics, um, everything from um, gun violence prevention and suicide prevention to vaccines to um, you know, lead, lead in schools. When I was in, in Michigan, I did a lot around lead. Um, so it's, that's kind of been one of the very unique things I think about my, my path and something I'm really come to have. I think it's interesting that, you know, like the advocacy would make you so aware of how public policy would drive the impact of public health in, in such a way. Like if, if you were, uh, if you were to almost have like that wish or the, the wand, you know, that would kind of, you know, draw our attention to one of those advocacy issues within pediatrics, what do you think that was, what would be the most important thing that from an advocacy standpoint that would have like the most effect on public policy in pediatrics? What do you think that would be? Oh my gosh. Not There's fair so that I only things. gave you one option, but like, like yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think um, just like, for me, one of the most important issues is, is just making sure mm-hmm. kids have health insurance. So they actually just came out with a report today um, out of Georgetown that 4 million kids in our country don't have health insurance. Um, and those numbers are actually increasing. So um, I think from a 
just access to care and basic medical care. Um, I think all kids should have um, health insurance and, and have coverage under um, Medicaid or other government programs. So um, I think that's one of the most important issues, but I definitely have, you know, other passions and areas that I think we can work on too. So what has been one of the more interesting, I, I would say, um, medical science breakthroughs that you're more interested in seeing? Like when, like, so 10 years down the line, when you are uh, now a pediatric uh, doctor and you're seeing how medical science is kind of catching up, which is the one that you're, what, is there a trend that you're really excited that is coming down the road that you think that will be a really great tool for you as a, as a, as a, as a doctor? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I think there's lots of medical advances and, um, you know, I'm lucky to train at a institution where they're making breakthrough advances, um, all the time. Um, I think, you know, some of the things I can think about are, um, you know, even like with type one diabetes, um, we've come a long way in terms of technology and just, um, kind of those kids having access to, you know, a lot, a lot more technology. Um, you know, I think, I think hopefully, you know, we, vaccines are one of the most important things as a pediatrician. So, um, I'm hopeful that we can continue to work towards, um, making sure all kids are vaccinated and, um, and getting them, you know, protected in the community, but we are seeing Absolutely. some trends in the other direction with that. So I'm, I'm hoping we can kind of change things with that, but, um, but there's advances in, in every field. And I think it's a really exciting time to be in medicine and, uh, to see kind of how we're starting to use, um, even like whole genome sequencing and to really understand diseases and kids and, um, and be able to, you know, make di- not only diagnosis, but tailor their treatment um, to exactly, you know, the genetic changes that they have. So that's pretty cool. You know, I would imagine that some people would be intimidated by the type of coursework that would be involved with becoming a doctor and, and all of that. What would be some of the either words of encouragement or advice that you'd have? Like, or how did you know that, like, you know, I can, I can study this because it seems for a lot of people that just the mere workload would be so intimidating, but how do you, how do you make it work for you? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So, um, you know, I think, you know, I think I'm lucky in that I like learning and I've always liked learning. And so, um, you know, I think being in medicine, you're kind of a lifelong learner. So that kind of fits with my personality, but I think even regardless of that, like you're always going to meet challenges and and roadblocks. And, um, I definitely encountered those. Um, you know, when I actually, the first time I applied to medical school, I didn't get in and, um, you know, and I was able to kind of rework my path to find something else that I was passionate about and that I could work on for a few years while I kind of got, got myself back together and got, um, ready to go back into doing the hard work of medical school. So, um, you know, and then I think kind of when you're in it, you just have to, um, make sure you're taking care of yourself and, and doing things to kind of keep, you know, make sure you're healthy and, um, sleeping and eating well and all of that. So you can learn the best that you can. Um, and then, you know, and I think just finding, finding subjects that you're really interested in and, um, makes it easier in the future, uh, to kind of push forward and, it makes the learning more fun. What, what's a typical day for you? So when you show up at the hospital, uh, what does that look like? 
That's a great question. So um, usually we start our morning around 7 a.m. Um, we get um, what we call a sign out from the night team. So there's residents that are on overnight taking care of our patients. Um, and then um, right now I'm a, considered a senior resident. So, so that means I'm kind of in charge of um, the interns or the first year residents, as well as any medical students on our team. Um, so in the morning, we kind of just look through all the events that happened overnight with our patients, um, kind of get ready for rounds. And then kind of like you see on a lot of the TV shows, you know, we, we round with the team and um, we present the patients and we do something called family-centered rounds. So the family and the child are included in the rounds um, to make sure that, you know, their needs are being met and we're listening to their concerns. Um, and then, you know, throughout the rest of the day, we're just kind of taking care of patients, addressing anything that comes up, um, ordering medications and reassessing our patients uh, and then taking new patients as they come into the hospital. Um, and then in the afternoon, um, we have lectures um, every every day at lunchtime um, where we're doing kind of more ongoing learning. Um, and then we finish the day around 5.30 p.m. and we sign back out to our night team. Um, and throughout there, I also have times where I'm in the clinic. So I have my, my days of clinic where I have my patients um, that kind of come back to see me for their well visits and for sick visits. Um, so it's kind of, that's kind of a typical day when I'm in the hospital. Oh, there's a lot of moving parts, you know, in that. And it's interesting. Yeah. I, lo- I love the idea of that, that there's a lecture in the, in the middle of the day. Now, is that something that is for all doctors or is that just catered for residents? So we have um, specific uh, curriculum for resident education and, um, every lunch hour, um, the residents and the medical students come and get um, different types of lectures. Um, and we also, I'm very lucky and fortunate that they feed us lunch every day, which is, which is nice. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, the curriculum is very broad and it's, and it's great that we kind of get that break in the middle of the day from patient care to, uh, to learn a little bit. I would imagine that, you know, you're in, in such a, a unique position to be the person that can heal people and, and f- give them the right treatment and all of that. How, how, do, how do you also kind of steal yourself when um, there's just bad news to deliver? Or, I mean, imagine there's still kind of a, a psychology of, of, like, you were talking about self-care and all of that. But, like, you have to have some very frank conversations uh, with with some, some people. Like, what does that look like in terms of, like, the training? Or how do you prep yourself for that, that balance of having that, I guess they call it the bedside manner. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. So I think, um, you know, I think bedside manner is kind of a combination of, of natural personality traits, which most people who go into pediatrics are generally pretty, pretty kind-hearted people. Um, but then, you know, there's definitely a training part of it and, and practice. And, and those conversations um, take a lot of time and take take learning too. Um, so a lot of times our, our attending physicians are, or our supervising physicians will um, kind of lead those conversations, especially ones where there's like a new diagnosis or something. Um, and it's really great because we kind of get to learn from watching them how they approach those conversations. 
Um, as a senior resident, though, we I do have to have a lot of sometimes tough conversations or just discussing changes in treatment plans with families. And, um, you know, I think just treating people like human beings and sitting down with them, you know, being at their level, having a conversation, hearing their concerns, answering questions, um, you can kind of meet people where they are and um, and hopefully come to kind of a consensus about what's best for their child. And, um, but it definitely takes practice and, and doing it over and over. And, um, but I think as long as you, you treat people like human beings, then, um, usually those conversations go. What do you think was like one of your earliest, like success stories as in your, in your residency where you're like, where you went through the whole heuristic of identifying the problem giving the appropriate treatment and then seeing like the incredible outcome of like you identified it, treated it properly and then smiling faces for everyone. What was, what was, what was that first story like for you? Yeah. Um, wow. There's a lot of them. (laughs) Um, you know, I think probably for me, one of the first things was, um, I was on, uh, infectious disease, which is one of our inpatient um, hospital services. And um, we had a baby come in. And so anytime a baby has a fever in the first few weeks of life, it can be very scary, um, you know. And so I was able to, um, you know, there's several things that are involved in the workup for that, um, looking for infections in, in infants. Um, so I was able to go through and do all the workup, you know, get the lumbar puncture and so we could do testing and, and explain to the family why we were doing everything. Um, you know, we usually treat babies with antibiotics for at least, you know, 24 to 48 hours um, during that time period. And then, you know, I was able to, you know, the, we were lucky that this child didn't have an in, uh, infection. But, um, you know, I think for me, the most rewarding parts of my jobs job is just being able to educate families and reassure them and walk them through the steps of why we're doing what we're doing. And um, so I think kind of that was one of my first patients where I really felt like I was um, kind of able to manage things almost on my own. And um, and there's always someone looking over us, but I think it's kind of nice when you have more of that autonomy. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how that, that feeling of autonomy, it, it just becomes this kind of professional oxygen in, in so many ways where you feel like you're really kind of finding your way. So that's so great. Um, so Rachel, you've been so generous with your time. I was wondering if you could leave some future wildcats, uh, in grads, uh, what advice would you give them of, of how to seek success and how you've been able to uh, find your way in such a, a fulfilling career? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I think, I think one of the biggest things, um, which I know is like super cheesy and cliche, but, um, but if you have a a dream to do something, don't give up on it. And maybe you may have to find some other, um, routes to get to what you want to do, but find good mentors, um, to help you along the way. And, um, you know, I think always just following kind of what your passion is will make your job and, um, your life more fun. And I think it's important to, to find a job that you love and, and it kind of helps, um, prevent a lot of burnout and stuff that we can see in any career. So I think just finding something that you care about, um, 
and and not giving up on what your dreams are. If, if you wouldn't mind me returning back to something that you had mentioned before, I mean, uh, we've talked about uh, this before that, uh, I mean, you were a very successful student in high school, but you said you, you actually didn't get into the first medical school when you applied from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you walk us through like, so like that must have been like a setback because you were kind of, you may have been like hinging something, you know, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But then when you got that news, how did you, what were the steps that you took to maybe kind of build yourself back up? Because that, what you just said is not to give up on your dreams. Like, so that must have been a really early yeah. check on that. And then you were able to successfully get back on track. How did you do it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So, um, you know, I was, I think, you know, like you said, like I did pretty well in high school and and throughout college. But, um, you know, being at a big university, I I did struggle, you know, with some academic classes just because you kind of get lost in the shuffle and it's harder to study when you're, you know, kind of have all the other things around you in college. So, um, you know, it definitely was a big blow to my confidence. Um, And I remember that time being really difficult and um, definitely I had to lean on, um, my family and, and my mentors to kind of help figure out what the next steps were. But, um, you know, I think it's important to realize that like, you're not just one path either. You're not just one person and you don't have only one role on this earth. And so it was really, um, helpful for me to kind of be able to reset and find something else that I was passionate about, um, which is public health and being able to, to take the time to, you know, really delve into that a little bit further and kind of get myself my confidence back in order to be able to go back to medical school and be successful. So, um, you know, but it certainly was a tough time. And I think um, lots of people going, you know, going into many careers will face setbacks. And um, I think just kind of reassessing your goals and reassessing the path to get there and asking other people for help, um, can help you kind of get back on track. So you have, uh, so you have one more year. And so what happens once you are Dr. Nash, uh, are you going to stay in yeah. Ohio? Where, what ideally, where is your landing spot? Uh, so I'm figuring that out right now. Um, so like I said, I want to do, um, I want to do primary care. So I want to work in a clinic and, um, in the outpatient setting, um, but I'm I'm hoping to kind of stay in an academic setting, um, mostly because I'd like to do some more research in um, in public health and in uh, looking at you know health disparities and um, and that's kind of been an interest area of mine. So so I'd like to stay at a a university kind of setting, uh, and I'm kind of trying to figure out what the next steps are to get a job um, in that setting. So. Um, I may be moving back to Michigan where my fiance lives. So, um, you know, personal, personal reasons definitely will, will guide my next steps, but, um, but I'm excited for what's ahead. That's so great. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for your time today. You have given us a lot to think about and uh, you've given us a lot of really cool um, kind of pathways to think about uh, where our wildcats can go and, and how to be successful. So thank you so much. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to We Go Places. If you know of a great guest for this podcast, send me an email at b-t-u-r-n-b-a-u-g-h 
at d94.org.